So I got an awesome vacuum. It takes like five minutes. It just it's doesn't like take your any time sick at all. Backpack vacuum, right? You just walk around. It's not a backpack, but it's like a big stick, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like the same. Oh. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty fun. It's very powerful. So it's like feels like I'm wielding a weapon, you know. It's like it's got a trigger and everything, so you hold it like a gun. <laughs> it makes a cool gun. like yeah, it makes a cool sci-fi noise where it's like it goes like boo like you turn on. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 283 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm not the games programmer. I'm Sam and I'm wearing blue. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is October Thurber, 20 Blundy. Is today Halloween? No. When's Halloween? Tomorrow. Tomorrow's Halloween. So this is the, so this we is are spooky Eve. Mm-hmm. It's yes, it's spooky Eve. It, we're in pre-spook mode right now. I'm feeling it. Are you guys feeling it? This is where you get. Yeah. This is sort of like the, the you know the, the tingle on the back of your neck where you're like something's yeah, yeah, yeah. coming. Yeah. That's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Something spooky's about to happen. Uh, also, before we go any further, warning: there's going to be some profanity on this show. So Good job. We talked for a whole that. like two minutes and nobody cussed. So I Who feel. Knows? Oddly medium about that. Yeah, could have been spicier. Uh, could have been. It wasn't, though. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at podcast.bscotch.net. Thanks for letting us grab your money. We like it. Uh, all right. Let's talk about life. First of all, it is spooky. It's dark. It's wet. It's cold. Mm-hmm. It, has been a, it has been a fucking gloomy Two weeks. Yeah, I don't know how, how are you guys feeling about this. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how it's been for everybody else because, of course, this is the the weather problem, which is our weather isn't everybody's weather, but it has been like just gray outside. It has just been gray. Just we been have gray. actually have sun for the first time in two weeks today. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, it's it's been it's been really hitting us. I feel like. Yeah, those, you can feel those of us yeah. with that uh, you know seasonal affective disorder or sad, which by the way, the best the best naming Spot ever on acronym yep. uh, for for a little uh, little one of those mental things. Uh, it's been hitting everybody, I think, at least a little bit. And I know for me, at one point, it was six o'clock and it was pitch black outside because 6 it was already PM. cloudy. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I was like. Do I keep on doing anything, or is this just like <laughs> this you know? Just now. Should I just uh, stop? Do, <laughs> do I just shotgun a sleeve of Oreos and then go lay on the bed moaning? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I generally uh, so so last winter, last winter, yeah, uh, was the first time I started to really feel the. Uh, uh, I don't know sad. if it's sad. I don't know if that needs a clinical diagnosis or what it was, but definitely the the constant the lack of sunlight and like just being trapped inside that whole thing, you know, like definitely pushed me into uh, a, just a depressed, a more of a depressed state than is my normal. Um, enough that it was, you know, it just kind of made me just not want to do as much stuff and then that whole thing. Uh, so I definitely had that for the first time last winter and I never quite recovered all the way. It just like, I got mm-hmm. like part of the way back up as the sun started to come out. Um, and uh, now we're getting ready for another round, you know, and since I'm, I'm starting a little bit lower than I did even last year, I'm like, I'm like, it's oh, no. possible <laughs> that you didn't recover because in mid March, about the time the sun starts to return, oh, yeah, then we, we all got we all got locked in doors. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, there is that. Well, and then you couple yeah. that with uh, with the we've been talking a fair bit of the podcast about ADHD and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the impacts of 
uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you call it comorbidity or what the thing is, but one of the things that goes along with adult ADHD and also young person ADHD is uh, various levels of of anhedonia, which is absence mm-hmm. of joy, which is a symptom of depression, but not quite the same thing. It's all very like muddled and like intermixed and so on. But um, so there's this possibility there too that because I know that one of the things I've noticed too is that the working from home has it's a different enough thing. And the absence of another person in my physical presence makes it a lot easier for me to engage in the kind of behaviors that social pressure normally like prevents me from doing, like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, having my mind wander during a meeting, right? Because during a meeting, like when you can, when you know, you're looking at somebody else's eyeballs because there's not a camera you're looking through, you don't know where people are looking, you know, then I'm like trying to, I have to remind myself to maintain eye contact, which reminds me to pay attention, right? But Um, you're maintaining eye contact with nothing. Yeah, because so there like, are no eyes. Yeah, there's no there. eyes. So, so I've been noticing it's been it's been it's been getting harder and harder for me just to like deal with some aspects mm-hmm. of of work when working from home. Yeah, um, and even like my evenings have gotten harder to deal with, and my weekends have gotten harder to deal with, and everything. So I'm just like all this stuff is kind of coalescing. It's creepy. This. Yeah. So yeah. So I took two active steps. One is I got a satellite. Or a happy light, I guess, because it's tr- you know to try to make <laughs> it's an it's an anti sad. What do they call it? Is it called a ha- is it called happy light? Uh, it's got some bullshit name, but but there's a there's a it, it is a, a particular kind of light. I can't remember what the name is. You're supposed to search for because the, it, there's some criteria you have to hit. So these are, these are lights that are supposed to like mimic the brightness of the sun, so that well, not directly. It's it's like the sun on a cloudy day. At yeah, least. yeah. So it's better than not just like being you're pitch black outside. Yeah, it's not it's, literally blinding you. Like yeah, you're not just like staring into the sun. Yeah, yeah so it has much. to be like ten thousand lumens, which is oof. You know, seems like a good number of lumens. I'm not a lumens expert, but that seems like a I lot. I think a, your typical light bulb will have uh, between seven hundred and fourteen hundred lumens. Yeah, something like that for like a. But I don't know. Is it a log scale? I don't know. How do lumens work? What even is a lumen? Yeah, and why is that the word? And how do they get so many of them into in such a small thing. space? Well, it's like yeah. one of those. Have you ever seen those gifts or the videos of like those, basically these equivalent uh, sad lights, but the flashlights people have, like a tactical flashlight? So they'll be out camping or something and they turn it on and it's like, it's just daytime now. Wherever they point, <laughs> right. it's just daytime. You know? Well, those are the ones where they describe it as like 10 million candle power. Yeah, and yeah. Like, this is, it's like horse this power. Is like, you know? Yeah, this is like power. some <laughs> like hilarious archaic 1800s shit. Yeah, like, well, especially because like there's, there's no way to make that make any meaningful sense. You no, because a million like, candles is just a bonfire and that's not that bright. Yeah. But you also, I mean? like, what, it, what's, what is a candle as a, as a unit of measurement? It's absurd. You know, it's like, yeah, how many it's like candles using, has the average person lit in their life? Like, I don't even have, I probably lit like maybe a couple dozen candles aside from birthday cake candles. You know what I mean? Ever yeah. in my life. So, like, but also, yeah. are all candles the same enough, you know, that you can use it as a, as a metric? That. Like, same question. Same can be said about horses. I feel like horses know. are more <laughs> different amongst themselves than candles. Because candles, it feels like you light it, like the flame all kind of looks the same, you know? So, like, I can, I can kind of buy into that one sure. versus, like, a foot, a human foot. And it's like, those aren't the same size, so it's crazy to use that as a metric. Mm-hmm. Or a horse. Which is know? an entire animal. <laughs> Which is a, very a whole animal. It's got, it's got like a brain well, that could be different than another one's brain. The sizes are different, you know? At least we've moved it. We've moved past candles and into lumens, you know? Mm-hmm. We've made yes. it. You got to so, make it abstract so. enough that you're like, I can't even possibly understand what this is. So yeah, I'm perfect. Gonna, it's fine. So yeah, now I can perfect. believe it. Yeah. yeah. So, so the extra steps are took. Got a satellite. So if you're going to get one of these things, then do, do your research. I did my best guess because it, uh, it, it, 
there's no way to know what what is a good beer <laughs> but I found something that was well reviewed. Uh, I haven't really tried it out yet because it kind of got sunny at the moment I got it. Um, but I also, I guess, and I also for lights replaced all the lights in my office with bright as fuck ones. The daylight, mm. daylight ones, you know, that are on the blue end of the spectrum. Interesting. And uh, that actually immediately like has made me feel better, just like every day, just like being in like bright light all day. So there, there's there's a truth to this, definitely. Uh, and then. The second active step I t- took was to finally make an appointment with a psychiatrist to get officially evaluated for ADHD mm-hmm. to see if, like, is that a thing I'm doing? Because I, I, I don't know if that's a thing I'm dealing with for sure, but there's a lot of consistencies there. Um, you did take so that's the same self-report quiz thing that I yes. did, and uh, both you guys are it's not yeah. looking good. <laughs> it's, looking, it's looking likely. Um, yeah, but it is, it is interesting with all this mental health stuff, right? Because all these, all of these, you know, quote unquote disorders, right? These, these are just, you take a whole bunch of metrics that you feel like are kind of related in some way and you put them all on a spectrum and you kind of ask where people fall on each one of those things. But those things aren't guaranteed to be correlated, which is why it's a messy process. Mm-hmm. But also each, each of those things can also be listed in some other thing. Right. So, so if you've, if there's a potential for like, uh, like autism, if there's a potential for depression, if there's a potential for any number of things, like those are just a a sort of a, uh, it's a collection bundle. It's a bundle Mm -hmm. of, of, of features, each one having a spectrum. Right. And there's overlap between all of them. And so when someone's trying to figure out like, what's going on in your brain? What makes you different, right? The fact is, there's a thousand things that are different. And then you just try to see if, like, the Venn diagram, like, roughly matches up with a a collection that has a definition on it that Mm -hmm. there's a word for and that hopefully has some sort of a treatment process for. Yeah. So it could be like, uh, oh, I'm having some severe mood swings. And it's like, well, you could be bipolar, you could have ADHD, ADHD, or you need a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a range of possible outcomes here. Uh, And it's all dependent on, like you said, the bundle of other things you have going on, Mm -hmm. how consistent it is. Uh, You know, there's tons of, it's very hard to figure out. It's been one of the interesting things for for me for looking into this for myself, trying to figure out like, how's my brain work? What's going on there, right? If you look at like the symptoms of ADHD or the, or the, the, symptom doesn't feel like the right word, the the consequences of it, right? Uh, On different aspects of your life. And there's a whole bunch of them that, since I also have aphantasia, which we talked about in a past episode, which is like can't picture things in my mind, um, there's a whole bunch of of like ADHD effects that would also be fully explained by the fact that I can't picture stuff, right? And mm. so there, there's kind of like interesting stuff here where it's like, so what? So there's, which there's is no it? way to know actually what's going on, and yeah. so that's why you need a professional who also is just doing their best because well, like this is a messy fucking process. Yeah, this is I think um so we talked actually I don't think I can't remember if we talked about I don't believe we actually brought it on the podcast, but a few weeks ago I sort I had to had some panic attacks for the first time ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, right before bed, a couple panic attacks uh for a couple of nights in a row. And which was weird. Uh they feel I so basically what happened was it it happened to me and then I I got up because basically what it does is it jacks a bunch of adrenaline and stuff into your bloodstream so i was a little excited i got up and i was like that was fucking weird just felt like i was dying briefly um and then i googled it because i was like what i just thought i had covid because i couldn't breathe i was like couldn't breathe uh yeah people also liken it to heart attack symptoms in the sense of like yep it's it's funny because people call it a panic attack and and if you haven't i haven't had one and so as a consequence of not having one and then given that name 
I would assume that if I had one, I'd be like, oh, I'm panicking. That is yes. the, the sensation. But that's not what it actually feels like when a person. No. It basically has just it. feels like something is deeply wrong and you're very freaked out about it. It's and like, your adrenaline is just through the roof. And yeah. Well, so in my case, <laughs> my, my heart rate didn't necessarily get super jacked up, but I just felt like I was just like, oh, oh no. Like, I, so what is happening? And so uh, I Googled it and it's like, you know, put in the stuff and it was very clearly like, yeah, these are very clear to panic, like sort of by the book. Sam is really good at having uh, sort of textbook examples of all of his problems. Yeah, so I even like, so I self-diagnosed with uh, carbon monoxide poisoning that one time. Oh, yep. Um, <laughs> where I was like, I have a headache. I'm slightly nauseous. I like type this in. Did we ever talk about that? How Sam almost died from carbon monoxide poisoning? I've had many. I've had many. Twice, days. I think. Was it twice? It was twice. It was twice. In the same apartment building because the landlord is a piece of shit. So not a know, great landlord. Not a good one. But dodged. Uh, a, it dodged a lot of ordinances. Yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so and lawsuits. It is a panic yeah. attack, and it was like so odd. Uh, but the problem was, so as far as going back to this comorbidity issue, was that all of the symptoms of generalized anxiety, as well as this panic attack thing, uh, neatly, very frankly, too neatly overlap with some of these early neurological symptoms that mm -hmm. you see in COVID patients. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which, of course, what I was freaking out about was like, what if I have COVID? And then... But also well, those in turn, because you're, you're comparing it to COVID, but if you also compare that to the flu or like any one of a dozen other things, it's also an, an over... I mean, this is that mm -hmm. thing, the thing that, like, that, uh, that physicians always talk about, right? If people come in with the symptoms, it's like, I feel just pretty bad, kind of headachy, like a, maybe mm -hmm. a little dizzy. Like, they start going through the list of things, and it's like, okay, yeah, that could be literally a thousand yep. things. It's not until something gets really bad where the specifics come out, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, now now we can like right. lock right. that thing down, right? Yeah. I think the nefarious thing on, on that side was that the you know, getting anxious about thinking that it was COVID and then yeah, seeing that all the symptoms were the same, of course, created this little, uh, this fantastic little death spiral that I was writing last week uh, for a couple of days where it was like, oh man. And then it's too, I mean, as soon as a couple of days had passed and I hadn't gotten a fever, I was like, oh, I was just tripping. Oh, right. I was just tripping. <laughs> just tripping. Uh, right. But I'm, uh -huh. I'm curious, Adam, why it is that you decided to uh, take the steps now? Because it's something you've known about for, well, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, well, so. it's. Uh, I think it's because as as like the as the darkness was was coming upon us. Um, <laughs> yes, in more yeah. ways than one. Uh -huh. In more ways than one, but actually, really specifically, the the actual physical darkness of the outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it is. It is. It's not unlikely that the rest is also having an impact. But the, but the one that I can like viscerally feel right is is just the lack of light, um, which I know. Like I, I I know last year was was impactful, and I also know that I didn't fully recover from that. Mm -hmm. Over over the summer, and so I'm kind of like I've got a little bit of, of trepidation coming from like from for this winter about like oh no because like, that means that presumably means it's going to be even worse this year right and so so I wanted to take some steps to kind of like prepare Make for it. that uh, but the other part is that in particular for the past uh, even before it started to get kind of dark but basically as soon as it started to get a little dark and a little chilly but just like a little bit and so the, the days just weren't quite as long. And I just started feeling like it, my, my evenings and weekends in particular were just like, like there, I feel this like active downward pressure trying to keep me from mm. doing stuff, like even like trivial chores and things, <laughs> you know? And I know, like, and I know exactly what that is. That's like, that's like the classic depression yep. symptom, right? Yep. Of like, in that, that whole idea of, because it's always hard to do stuff, right? That you, that you don't want to do. But the idea of like just literally not doing it, right? Is, it's a really, it's a weird fucking thing, right? Because it's not like a, it's not like a, oh, I just have to like do this thing I don't want to do. Like I'm just going to say, okay, just go do this thing and then go do it, right? Because like you do that and then you still don't 
you know, like you still, mm-hmm. you still like know there's you're a disconnect. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a weird a disconnect where it's yeah. just, you just don't, you know? And so like, so I've been feeling that getting like stronger and stronger and stronger mm-hmm. to the point where now my weekends and my evenings, like got a bunch of chores, like the amount of dread that I feel for like really simple. It's like, Oh, I need to vacuum the downstairs. Right. I got this fucking awesome vacuum for that purpose because I hate vacuuming. Right. <laughs> uh, so I got an awesome, uh, powerful vacuum. It takes like, Five minutes. It just doesn't like take your any time at all. Backpack vacuum, right? You just walk around. It's not a backpack, but it's like a big stick, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like the same. Yeah, oh, so it's, it's pretty fun. It's very powerful. So it's like feels like I'm wielding a weapon, you know. It's like it's got a trigger and everything, so you hold it like a gun. <laughs> it makes a cool, gun. like yeah, it makes a cool sci-fi noise where it's like it goes like boo, like you turn it on. <laughs> awesome. So like, so it's a it's a cool fucking vacuum. Also, That's dope. Yeah. So like, so I like it, but like having to like go get it, which it's like up, it's up one. Very short flight of stairs. It just takes again. It would take like fifteen seconds. So it's like, oh, I gotta go get it. You know, but there's insurmountable hurdle number one. Uh, okay, now I got it. Oh, now I have to like put this head on it. So it's like the 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 carpet head, you know, versus the wood floor head or whatever. Like takes five seconds, but oh, now I have to remember to get both Mm -hmm. of those. Like all of it is trivial, but all of it feels weirdly insurmountable to the point where I'm just like. I don't want to do this. You like, just don't. Not, just, yeah, you just don't. So I'm, I've been feeling that like deepening over mm. the past like couple months in particular. Uh, and so I'm trying to, before it gets into a state where, because like, because like, I, I had this last year during the winter in particular to some extent, but it feels like it's already worse than that was, mm-hmm. which, and I, and I have never had like a, like a significant like deep depression or anything, but I know from other people just how, bad that gets it gets so, bad yeah and so i don't i want to like try to stave that i want to try to like get that caught before it goes into the part where we're like i literally can't do anything um time to medicate buddy yeah mm-hmm. exactly yep. that's that's how it, that's how you get around it Light sunlight drive bright lights and medication presumably so yep yeah so anyway so i'm gonna so this is all to say uh, I think I think it's important that everyone's while we just like could just talk openly about this kind of stuff because there's so much stigma around all of it. Everybody's, um, I think it's it's always I found it so fascinating because it's like the reality is everybody has issues along these dimensions, and so yeah, uh, you know, not talking about it is is a hilarious. It's a, just a weird the thing you have to remember. agreement because yeah. Yeah. what are you talking about? I'm a big strong man and <laughs> I don't feel things. <laughs> we're, you have to remember that we're just a bunch of fucking monkeys. Right, mm-hmm. we're a bunch of monkeys. We put clothes on ourselves for some reason. We weren't supposed to make we it. This supposed far. To <laughs> we weren't supposed to do it. We weren't supposed to make it. We weren't supposed to be. We're, we're here for some reason, and then we've all collectively decided all kinds of completely absurd things. We're like, hey, let's decide that money is a thing, and then if you don't, it's imaginary. But let's decide that's a thing. And if you don't have enough of it, you just starve you to death. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's it. Uh, we're going to invent medicine. That's pretty fucking rad, but we're only going to let some people have it, right? So it is monkey so law. Because monkey law, right? So, <laughs> so we've established monkey laws, which are just as stupid as the laws that real monkeys would make, right? And so that's then the, the world in which we live in is one artificially constructed by other random monkeys, mm-hmm. right? And we just got to deal with and it. And we just got to deal with it. Just got to so deal with it. You take our monkey brains and you put it in the context of like of other wild maniac monkeys making arbitrary random rules based on the nonsense that they believe. And then we all have to live inside of that space. I mean, my favorite fact is, is that he, the human working memory is just seven items. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, what are we doing? You know? You know? Yeah. It's like, no. so, Again, how so, did we even get here? How did we even you know? get here? So if things aren't going smoothly for you, 
Uh, that's normal because that's normal because you're a monkey <laughs> under under monkey law. You know, like, every, you know, every now and then you every now and then you you read about. Um, studies uh, on primates and stuff where it's like, look at this ch- chimpanzee figured out how to like take a stick and like dip it in a termite mound and yeah. he pulls it out and then he's covered in termites and he's just like, nom, 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 termites <laughs> off the stick. And you look at that and I, every now that I think about that as like, you know, cast back, you know, a million years or something and you got these proto-humans, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere and, uh, and there's this, there's this stupid leap where that like this proto human picks up a stick and he's like, I'm gonna dip it in this bug hole and like eat a <laughs> eat a worm. And then it's like that SpongeBob like one million years later. And then <laughs> yes. suddenly we're all like flying through the fucking Spaceships. air. Yeah, we're like blasting ourselves in the face with million candle power lumens. You know? Yep. Like what and it all started so, because somehow, some monkey was like, <laughs> see these termites? These are money now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, so uh, I think I'll just say, if, if you're having an issue, especially as we head into winter, winter of all, all the times, is not the time to fuck around. No. Especially not at all. Because we're, we're not in winter yet, so like, so get- Unless get you live on the equator, because it's still super bright and nice outside, and you just, you, you just do you, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got, there's all kinds of other shit that you have to deal with, which is there's all the other rest, you gotta all deal the rest with. of monkey law you have to deal with, right? But, but at least you got some sun yeah, you, <laughs> you got that going for you. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, so, well, so if you, so if you're take active steps, go, if you're, if you're not in therapy, probably everybody should be period. There's, there's, uh, you should be more embarrassed by not being in therapy than by being in it. So be ashamed. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's apps. <laughs> new monkey law. Yeah. The new, new monkey law. Be ashamed to not be in therapy. There's, there's apps now. You can literally just like get an app. I can't remember. There's like better health or whatever. I, I'm not advocating these cause I've never used them. So I don't actually know if they're any good, but there's a billion of them. There's a billion of them. And some of them are supposedly really good. Like you can just get an app and you can like click a button and then be like, Ooh, I have a therapist now I'm talking to you. Right. Like just boom, boom, done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so you just like, you know, get, get all these balls. Like if you were, if you have, if you get sad in the winter, check out sad. And lights. here's another pro tip. Uh, delete Facebook. Delete Facebook. Well, Actually, I've been well, on Twitter up. for the past the few weeks. <laughs> for the past few weeks, like I downloaded Twitter for to do something, and I just kind of kept on my phone, and I kind of got sucked in. And then, mm-hmm. as I've been like getting more into the kind of depressed state, then last middle of last week, I was like, I need to, to, to take this off my phone, so I did. And I can't even tell you how much better I felt the next day um, by just like not looking at Twitter for for literally only 24 hours. Like that was. You know, even though he had, you had only been looking at it for a week, for a few weeks, yeah. And so, but like the the change in my mood was enormous. So oh, yeah. I can't recommend enough getting off of that shit. There's built in limits on phones too now. So I found uh, on on the iPhone they have this this thing where you can you can set which apps are basically available, and then the other ones, yep. if you open it, it just there's a little timer, and it's like you've already reached your limit for today. And this is great because I just turned this on period for everything. And then, so if I want to, for example, check in on Instagram, then instead of being able to sit there and just browse, I would just say, ignore limit for 15 minutes. And so I have this like maximum wall that mm-hmm. I can hit as far as, you know, doing something kind of, kind of, well, like yeah, this. and then and it's less actually about the time as it's about the active decision, right? Because right. then after 15 minutes pass and then you get to decide, am I going to continue? Mm-hmm. But now there's a thing that's like, you've already, you've hit the limit you that you said you wanted, right? So, this is your responsibility. Are you still having a good time? Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, another note here is that even if you're having a good time, um, there's, I think one of the most important things I read a long 
time ago, a couple of years ago, before I really started actively trying to take care of all this stuff for myself, uh, was I think it was some it was some big snowboard or something, and they were remarking about how weird it is that people only seek help for the things they know are problems in the middle of dealing with the problem, like I'm doing right now. Yeah, as opposed to, uh, well, I mean, I think you're you're still on the forefront of it. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's like it started to be a problem. It started to be a problem. But I didn't do anything like. I guess, yeah, but it's an interesting problem, right? It's it's like you don't know if a thing is going to be a problem. So. But sometimes you do, you know, like, so for example, like, uh, you know, dealing in in my case, uh, have some PTSD from from all the cancer stuff. And for literally for years, I've known this. And they they told me afterwards, they were like, you're going to have PTSD. Do you want (laughs) to see someone? And I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm a man. I'm a man. man. I feel (laughs) that. And then, you know, after a few incidents where it like sprang on me super hard. One time I was at the gym, hopped on a pull-up bar, saw my arm. That was it. Saw my underarm, which of course, you know, there's a bunch of tendons and shit in there. And I was like, oh man, I see just it. Break out, break out in a cold sweat. A fucking note. I just left, just left the gym. Didn't like do anything for the rest of the day. I was just kind of fucked up. Um, and this happened enough times that, that finally I was like, you know, maybe I should do something about it. But I decided to do something about it in the, in a window of time where I think it'd been like six months since I'd had any sort of episode. And I think it's an important note here, which is if you know there's a thing as an issue, uh, oftentimes the best time to take care of it is actually when you're in a position of strength already. Yeah. Well, weird. especially for things like depression and stuff, right? Because oh, yeah. the whole, the whole, like the, the, the most insidious thing about depression, it's, it's like horrible in, in every dimension, but the most insidious thing is how it actively prevents you from addressing it because yes. yeah, it's whole thing is, Oh, that thing that you want to do. Nope. Nah. Yeah. So, so now you're, so everything becomes insurmountable. Right. Um, and I was, and I was, again, I was already feeling that because the reason that I hadn't already like made an appointment to see a psychiatrist and all that stuff was because every day you gotta I was call like, him. I got to call <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah you got to make like, a I'm single the phone call. Part of that, of that journey down a hole, you know? Um, yeah. It's, uh, I, I've heard people describe, uh, like if, if, Describe it as a depression nest when like your your house or your room or whatever just becomes a complete shit show. Like mm-hmm. just clothes mm-hmm. everywhere that aren't getting picked up, you know, just trash on the ground because you didn't want to walk to the the trash can to throw it yep. away or whatever, you know. And so that's also a big like milestone for people coming out of that phase. Yeah, it's like you're cleaning up your room. Yeah. Yeah, like just going on this huge cleaning space. Spree, which honestly I think is probably where the concept of spring cleaning comes from, because I think people do inherently, (laughs) people do inherently like become, you know, more lethargic and and demotivated in the winter months and stuff, and then spring comes on, you're like, I'm sick of this, and you just, you just kind of go nuts. First ray of sunshine, and you go on a cleaning (laughs) binge. You 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 finally feel feel something again, and the sun Uh, reveals just how dirtier your house has become. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, take yeah, take care of your. Take care of your stuff. I mean, this is it's it's silly because we know this in all other things. It's like you buy you buy a you know car insurance in case you get into an accident, right? So like you you pre invest in that because you know that at some point you're probably gonna yep. deal with a problem in that domain, right? And we do this in all kinds of areas of life, but yeah, mental health is one of those things that people are just like. It's so invisible and it's so personal that it's very hard to like really identify. Because like when you get into a car crash, it's like, yeah, that obviously happened. That's clearly what just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can you can define you can it, point put boundaries it, yeah. on it. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just it's good to talk about this stuff, and get it out into the open, mm-hmm. so that people can more clearly identify when they've had a mental 
car crash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so otherwise, in, in other life news, the election was yesterday. Yeah, uh, for from yesterday from when this podcast airs, but we're recording it several days before. Um, so hope that ter- hope that would uh-huh. went well. Mm-hmm. And this is gonna good. this is this uh, is gonna age badly. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everything went fine and all is well, and there's not any any horrible uh, sort of uh, uh, you know. Pile on effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and I'm also pretty confident that, like, what, you know, whatever the outcome was, people were very mature about it and handled mm-hmm. it quite well. Um, no one was harmed and, and everybody just said, cool, let's move on now. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, that's probably how that went. Yeah. Uh, so we could. So, like we said, take care of your mental health. Um, yep. <laughs> look at uh, resources. Um, if you're an employer um, and you're listening to, and you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday morning, just you know maybe consider giving your employees a day off, depending on mm-hmm. what the state of the world is. You know, just uh, give them a day off to celebrate just how smoothly everything went and exactly. how nothing went yep, wrong. Totally, because yep. you know we just we really need that after after this year. Mm-hmm. Everybody just needs that moment to just really appreciate how how smoothly <laughs> it went. <laughs> Yeah, we needed a, we needed a win this year. <laughs> fucking smooth. <laughs> oh, everything went everything, everything went so so good. The whole year. Yep. All right. Before we fall uh, into that black hole, we should move on to some other topic. But yeah, I do hope you voted though. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Please, please have done that yesterday. Um, yeah, I do want to get into some more questions, but but before we do that, I do want to talk a little bit about just where what's going on in the studio. What's happening? Uh, so we're, you know, working on crash nets too. It's going great. Um, making big leaps and bounds of progress. Um, but there's an interesting thing that I just want to talk a little bit about, cause this is our first time making a sequel. Mm-hmm. And it's also our first time really aggressively planning a game in advance. You know, we've got lots of thought work done around what the systems are going to look like, um, how big the game's going to be, how everything's going to sort of knit together. And normally the way that we make a game is if you, if you saw the uh, GDC talk that I gave about our, our design philosophy of designing by chaos, if we're making a new game, uh, our approach is typically to just can basically have a very vague end point. So in the case of original crash ends, we were like, we want this, we want a big open world game. That's all about crafting and where you can have pets. And also there's quests. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like, that was the target. And Sick we kind of just I'll publish yeah. millions of dollars. <laughs> and mean, we to just be fair, it was hard to pitch the whole time that we were working yeah. on that game. Um and so we just kind of every every day as we worked on it, we would just kind of look at where the game is and be like, How how close are we to that as a like an overall concept? And what well, do we, even what then we feel like it was more just like, what do we think we should do next? What yeah. would be kind of fun to add? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um and so we just did that for a couple of years. Actually, one of our, our friends over at Touch Arcade um, said he – or he described it as feature creep, the game. Where we, mm-hmm. where we just kept adding stuff uh, until eventually we just kind of ran out of time and money and then we, then we published it. Um, well, yeah, it also <laughs> that led to, to Penny Arcade um, for, uh, for when we were in the, the PAX 10. PAX, PAX 10, um, yeah. When they had, they had read up a little description of each game at PAX 10 and so they were talking about Crashlands and – they, they had some line that was like, 
It's probably easier to describe what Crash Lens isn't. Because they just kept taking stuff and putting it in. Yep. Uh, Yeah, which which, uh, is a really, honestly, it's a very fun and engaging way to make a game. You know, Mm -hmm. because you're kind of always surprising yourself. You don't know what's coming next. And uh, every week, there's something new in the game that you had no idea was going to be there. Yep. Right. So it feels like you're making these big leaps of progress all the time. Um, where we're at with Crash Ends 2 is we're, we're still making those big leaps of progress, but we're doing stuff that we already knew we were going to do. And so it's really interesting how different that feels because it feels, it feels like it's moving slower. Mm-hmm. It feels like development is moving slower because of the, the lack of surprises. Yeah. Well, it's you know like I mean? because, because we I'll actually say, have a measuring stick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, we know where we actually know what the end destination Correct. is, and we can look like at where we are relative tank, to that. Right? Yes, you need right. it to be full. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. But I will say, as as a basically an outsider, so I'm an insider outsider, right? Since I'm not actually working on the game, but I still get to see it progress. Um, then, because basically most, I would say most of our our stand downs after the workday, um, Seth will pull up Crashlands two and show kind of like what he was working on today, and I can show what the game looks like. Right? Sam will pull up some art, show what the art looks like. And uh, from from an internal outsider perspective, this thing is fucking flying in terms of how fast stuff is is changing and being added, and we're, and we're figuring stuff out. Uh, and the game already looks, which everyone's going to hate hearing because we're not going to let you see it. But it already <laughs> looks really good, uh, and and it already feels actually like it's been, it's replicated a, a large extent of the feel and vibe of the original Crashlands. All the functionality isn't there, right? So there's like quote unquote combat, but mm-hmm. no weapons. So it's like, so it's like, it's like that kind of stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, so it doesn't have the fullness to it, but it already does feel like it has the feature set um, or that that feature set is progressing very, very rapidly. So uh, yeah, I think it is interesting because my perspective on this, uh, not being a person working on it actively, is that things are moving at least as fast as they were for any of our other titles. And I feel more positive about this one just because everything looks so much better. And it's like, it's going to be such a better game. Uh, so I just feel even better about all of this. And like, and I feel like there's a plan. So I know it's like everything about the plan part and seeing the progress makes me feel great as a person, mm-hmm. not actively working on it. So it is, it is really interesting that, that, that impact of being the person doing the work of basically tackling a checklist yep. of pre-designed yep. things versus yep. getting to, design as you go because the design part is is part of the fun of working on a project and having like already done that it's kind of, it's almost like you've already had the fun earlier sort of in in some sense well it's like we talked about a while back about the phases of game development you know one of the phases is the grind right yep. which is like you now know what you need to do and you just, just put in the work it. and it and interestingly you know because we did so much design work up front and so much prototyping up front and it's a sequel then so and it's a know. sequel, yep. so a lot of the questions were were answered in the previous game. So there's going to be a lot more of the grind, you know, a lot more of just doing the work and getting the thing built to spec, right? Um, and, and there's tons of small details and iterations and wiggling around of of things that we thought were going to work in a certain way, but then we need to tweak them a little bit. But the tweaks are not big. No. You know, it's like... It's even stuff like when we had the game just as cubes hitting other cubes, um, we... We made the attacks and the the actions performed super fast because it turns out when your cube is unanimated and, <laughs> and the only the only thing that that you see is a progress bar filling up for it to like 
pick a, a cube berry off of a cube bush. Um, if all that happens is there's a progress bar, then it's boring and you want that progress bar to be super fast. Mm-hmm. But if once you actually have a character in there who has hands and has some personality and is, is actually like slapping this shrug there's or an like animation pluck, sequence and yeah, yeah, plucking the berries off or whatever it is, then suddenly uh, it, it taking a half second or three quarters of a second feels good and it feels right. Where it was just a progress bar, you wanted it to be over with in you know point mm-hmm. two seconds and, and then move on. So there's a lot of those kinds of like game feel things that are just impossible to simulate in your mind until you're interacting with the game. Um, and those those are the that's where kind of like the discovery and, and fun is coming out of mm-hmm. of of building the thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. yeah, it's, it's funny. It's kind of a different spot. I think is an important idea there, right? Because it's even. And I think I think appreciating when you see the difference. Um, so 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 you'll know that you basically hit a checkbox, right? But still being able to appreciate the the difference and feel of the game as a consequence, I think, is where you still get to get that joy. Because because for me, from the outside, like watching uh, watching things progress, where it went from a box to a, you know to a character that that bounces, um, but that, that or actually no, sorry, a character that. Had still a, image basically had a still image when it's standing there it actually had, had like a animated like breathing sort of thing but for a I while there was a stand-in walking animation that was a uh a uh, uh just like a draft not even stick figure it was sort of like a outline kind of a thing right mm-hmm. of the character and so it would flip and, and then actually currently the last version i saw was we had animated attacks but it was all with stick figures right and so the character is like looks glorious and like this painted painted character thing that's just standing there breathing right and then starts walking and now it currently is just bouncing right which then like immediately pulls with, you out of the cockpit with stiff legs yeah it doesn't feel real and, at and all. then and you then go to attack, to attack something. a thing and it turns yeah. into a stick figure with a fucking sweet animation <laughs> but like everything's yeah. just so jarring and random that yeah that but even but even those little pieces like that how dramatically the fact that when you go hit an object you now turn into a, a a moving character with a cool animation right the dramatic impact on how the thing feels um, is really important. And I think it's, uh, you, have, you have to kind of move where you're driving the, the, the surprise and value from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. that's kind of something I were talking about, which is actually, and especially a lot of it right now is we're still very early in all the system stuff stuff. And so even things like, you know, in working on combat, uh, we have the, we have these creatures, the bugabuns uh, that are sort of our current prototype creature, kind of like your, you know, the wampet from original crash lands, uh, your basic, your basic enemy that we're using to build everything off of. And, one of the things enemies have to do is get to you. Right. Yep. And this is not a trivial problem, getting an enemy to get to you, uh, to be able to find They have to do pathfinding. And so, uh, it's one of those things that we're, you know, we're working on the combat currently, but working on the combat is not actually just working on the combat. It requires, again, it's, it's the whole, what are you fighting? Yeah. It's the building a toaster from scratch problem, which is like to do that properly, you have to just reinvent the fucking universe. And so, that's where we're at yep. currently, which I feel like is also way more of a grind, actually, than a little bit further in, where we start yeah. getting into, like, essentially the cool part. Because, like, again, making a creature go from A to B is like, damn it, like, just go. You know, I want you to be done with this. It seems like a given. Yep. Yeah. It should that, be that so should hard. Just be, uh, the other thing is, it is, it also, it is a solved problem. You know, pa- pathfinding in mm-hmm. games is, you can you can look up, there'd be 50 million articles about how to do it, and they all basically say the same thing. Which is, like, he, which is like, use A-star, uh, break it down in these two different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's how to deal with the specifics of all these different circumstances you might find mm-hmm. yourself in. Yeah. Uh, so, like, 
and again, it's the grind. You know, you know what needs to happen. Um, you got to do and, it. And the outcome, and, and this this kind of comes back to this this thing being a sequel compared to a new game, which is which was we've done all these things in in original Crashlands. Creatures did fight you, and they did travel from point A to B. Mm-hmm. They did all these things, and so. So, it, so Crashlands in a lot of 2 ways, is currently just a worse but better looking Crashlands right now. Well, yes, it's more, exactly. I think it's more interesting, right? It's like mm-hmm. all of all of these ways in which things creatures fight you are more interesting actually already than they were previously. The way the character is able to move around and harvest and attacks is far more interesting than it was before. Yep. Uh, it's all more interesting, but it's still it's not just not done. It's missing it's yeah. missing so many <laughs> systems. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited so to get further. Further along in dev, but uh, it's been it's been a bit of a weird it's a weird time I think definitely for Seth and I because it's it feels it feels slow. It is fast, but it feels slow, and it's a lot less surprising than the development style we are accustomed to. Mm -hmm. So, but it's come along very well, and I'm still very I'm very pumped about it. Yeah, I can't I can't wait until we get to start showing this off to people. I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, I think. It, like the, it looks so good um, that I think people are gonna people are gonna flip gonna people are gonna shit. flip their lids. So I think I just, everyone, we just make sure we keep on just talking about how great it is, so that and then keep continue not up. letting anybody see it. Yep. you know, just as uh, dare I say, it's probably going to surpass uh, Cyberpunk's in terms of hype. You yeah. know, I, I'm pretty confident in that. I mean, we have been doing a lot of motion <laughs> capture for our uh, yep. slug monsters. And- we don't have Keanu, uh, but no. we do have his cousin's roommate, uh, Jerry's brother's nephew, mm-hmm. s- sister. So who just drew a, feel- a picture that we're using as? Uh, well, we're not reference. using it, but we did. We did, we did look, look at, at it. it. Yeah. So I feel like there's a strong connection it's there. In there. Uh, anyway, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from D. Snowpeck, who says, I've been playing your pre-Crashlands games for the first time, and I'm impressed with the breadth of genre. Roid Rage, arcade game, Tau Fight 2, Zelda-like, Quadrupus Rampage, Roguelike, Flop Rocket, Impossible Rage-Inducing Pain Fest. That's a genre. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Can you talk a little bit about how long each game took to develop and why you chose to explore each genre? Thanks. Mm. Ooh. What's so probably genre, not, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the real question. And what makes a, what makes a genre different and why is why would it even be the case that a studio would stick into one genre and not have breadth? You know what I mean? What's that about? I, yeah, well, you would think that the people making if it's a small team, you would think that the people making the games have sort of a a kind of game that maybe they're more passionate about than other kinds of game. Um, and that they would come together to like try to make the best version of that thing. I think one of the things we've talked about in the past is that we oftentimes will try to seek out to make games that at least one of us doesn't like mm-hmm. in terms of genre. Um, because if you aren't a huge fan of a genre, then you, you may have some legitimate critiques of sort of the the shortcomings of that style of gameplay. Um, and you'll want to then address those. Uh, what you find is that if somebody is super excited about a particular kind of game, then what you may end up with is they just sort of try to recreate their favorite game, you know, yep. uh, w- without solving any of the problems or doing anything particularly new or interesting. 
So, yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. uh, or so go ahead. You go ahead. Thanks. Fine. I think, uh, I think, yeah, this is like, this is very slight lag. It's just always a problem. Um, I think, uh, so I, I can't actually really address why we went into different genres, except for the fact that I don't think we were thinking about genre specifically. I think we were thinking, what do we like, uh, what are some ideas about kinds of games that we can make? And especially coming from a game jam background where you're making all kinds of games because the prompt is the thing that focuses you, Right. And you don't necessarily go right to genre first. You're focusing on just like, what kind of things could we do that matches this prompt? Mm-hmm. And then that kind of will just happen to fall more or less into one bucket in terms of like genre, right? And I think since our background is in game jams, because um, if your background is in, say, like AAA, where you spend like, you know, th- AAA studios tend to make one kind of thing, really, right? Mm-hmm. And so if that's your background where you spend, spend enormous amounts of time making kind of one kind of thing, then I can see how that is the thing that you think about. Like that's the kind of game that you do. Well, if you're making a thousand savings. little games like over a weekend each, exploring different genres and whatever, I think genre starts to mean a lot less. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think importantly when it comes to why a studio might stick with a genre – uh, in particular, it's expertise think, and investment. It's investment. So when it comes to tooling, for example, so if you we talk a lot about how you know, we have a lot of scripts and stuff that we reuse uh, from project to project, you can imagine if we had only been making, uh, say, I don't know, a Crashland style, uh, you know, a crafting games or um, these sort of big procedural world based games, it, like had the same viewpoint. Um, so actually, a really good example of this is Supergiant. So Supergiant makes incredible games, and each one is actually. I would argue in the same genre as far as like how, how the players interact with, with the game world. And yes, like one of them is basically magical basketball. The newest one is, is a roguelike. Um, but as far as what the camera is doing, the isometric perspective, like a lot of this stuff that is just sort of the stuff again, that we talk about with, as we work on crash Lands too, the things that you just have to have solved to be able to make the damn game. Uh, if you're a studio who works inside of one particular genre over a long period of time, then you actually build a, a broad tool set that then allows you to stop having to bother so much with those base things uh, and then just be able to focus on the entertaining part, which is really, really powerful. Because even like any given engine just doesn't do, it doesn't do any of that stuff out of the box for you, you know. Um, so that's the benefit of like sticking to a particular genre. But when you're working in 2D, when you're working over the course of like two days, like I've said with these jams, uh, in your and that's sort of where you come from, then the there is no there's no momentum behind any particular genre. Well, and a, you're also not even yeah you're not even using expertise because you don't. There's no specific relevant expertise. There's no specific relevant tools you've already made. Like you're just doing basically something random. It's basically a generalist, more of a generalist design uh, training, frankly, uh, and and philosophy overall. Um, and so what you for us the the reason we did any one of those games is I mean we even have uh, if you're checking out the older games you should check out our itch page because there's a bunch of game jam games on yeah. there. And you will also be pleasantly surprised by the total range of wackiness available uh, through all of those, including like and the I, elevator yeah, simulator. Say, yeah, yeah. I would say good luck identifying a genre for uh, for many of those. Yeah, of those titles. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah. It's the reason we decided to do those is just because at the you know at the time it was just like Adam said the prompt is good. Prompts give you some weird thing to go work on, and, and making a small game is the best way to go explore a genre. Uh, and I think having a breadth of genres. Part of the reason I like that we've done this in the past is because you end up you're able to pull these things into maybe whatever the core studio genre is, you know. Yeah. Well, the reason um, that Crashlands was described as like what what isn't Crashlands, right, is is because of that background making mm-hmm. all kinds of random stuff. Um, and, and this is true for like for even level like Levelhead's a platformer, right? 
like that's the core gameplay. Um, but in terms of your experience playing Levelhead, it's it's a lot more than just that, right? But if we even go back to the decision about making Levelhead, um, which I think we, may, we probably talked about at some point in the podcast, but but the idea there wasn't we didn't set out to make a platformer, right? We didn't we didn't set out to do that specifically. What we wanted to do was we were working on Rumpus at the time. We knew we wanted to transition to this new tech stack. We knew it's that someday we were going to make Crashlands too. Like we knew that was going to happen. Uh, uh, but at that time, we didn't actually know what our next game was going to be. It was going to be just like some big, another big project, right? And we wanted to make something that really leveraged our web tech for the first time, like in a very intentional way, in order to build a big user base for the next game. That was the goal. That was the business goal we had when we set out to make Levelhead. And at the time, our decision to make it wasn't wasn't like okay, well, let's let's make a platformer because people like platformers and then blah, blah, blah. It was, we said, what kind of thing can we do that leverages our web tech that would get people to come into our system? Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, UGC, user-generated content, stuff that users can make and share with each other. Okay, so what are some kinds of ways that we can build a game around UGC, right? And for whatever reason, there were, there were a handful of things we were looking at, but the one that like that really stood out to us at the time was Mario Maker, not a genre again. It was it was just the game Mario Maker, mm-hmm. and how that thing had a niche, and how that niche at the time, unfortunately, that niche got filled out before we launched. <laughs> but at the <laughs> <Yep>. time, <laughs> that niche was not filled out properly, right? And so we were like, okay, so here's here's a kind of game that satisfies the business goal we have that we believe has a market, which happens to be a platformer, right? And so then we set off to make it. And as Seth can attest, we didn't know jack shit about making platformers. And so, uh, and yep. you, you'll hear warnings like everywhere. Like people always tell any new game dev, like don't make a platformer. It's a lot harder than you expect. Um, and, uh, and that was true. That yep. was definitely true. Um, but now Although, we get to admittedly, borrow the experience though. Like we get to take everything that Seth learned, that Seth, Seth learned from a making it work perspective and Seth and Sam learned from a design perspective and we get to take that and bring it into Crashlands too. Whatever the fuck that's going to mean, who knows, right? But but it's going to be actually useful background mm-hmm. experience for them. Well, one of the things that we get to leverage is the concept of the switch system from Levelhead. Yeah. Because we're, because at Crashlands 2, we're building the world, um, which means we're we're making a world editor for ourselves to build out this, the scenes and the places in, in the world that the, that the player's going to go to. And now that we've experimented with this idea of sort of user-created logic gates and switches and all these other things, um, we get, we're able to then carry that concept forward as we're building crashes too and make much more sophisticated s- story elements, mm-hmm. you know, around these sort of uh, conditional events and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, we, even disregarding the platformer side of things, just the fact that we made a level editor that mm-hmm. was for players to use uh, informed a lot. Well, so, and and, yeah. and the, by having a very, very high quality level editor, it made our it made Sam's experience building all of the levels for the campaign of Levelhead so much better that the first thing, like literally the first thing we invested in for Crashlands 2, like as, as like the, the project that we're working on, um, the first thing we invested in was having... S- editors and settings menus and like, and all the, like all the QA tools and like all that kind of stuff that we discovered through the development of Levelhead was so essential to being able to have a good development experience. Um, yep. So like there's already, yeah. So the thing, it's not just that we need a world editor for questions to, or, or go, we have one already. It's already there, yep. right? It's not great, 
but it's it's pretty good. For, it's for it's where actually we are, pretty good because so. like, you can like zoom in and out. You can pan around really fast, and it, it all feels like very fluid. Because that was your thing too, is that that part of the experience should actually feel good, right? It should have the same kind of call. And, and so like that's that's kind of I think a the fun one of the fun takeaways from building a level editor game is that the developer experience um, should feel just as good as the target user experience. Because mm-hmm. as as Sam in particular can attest with Crashlands the original. With the can with the campaign creation system with the Crashlands creator, right? That thing janky as fuck. You had to be trained to use it, right? The mm-hmm. interface hideous, uh, easy to do things wrong, uh, hard to fix mistakes, right? Like the whole it's this long list of like this is a this is a clearly made for developers thing in like the most sort of insulting way, right? Which is like, <laughs> you just you don't fucking matter. deal with it. Yeah, you don't matter. You just fucking <laughs> yeah. deal with it. And I think I think moving from that path to the one we have now, where it's like the developer experience should also be really good. Um, I think it's probably one of the biggest takeaways we had from making a game that has nothing well, to do with Crashlands. If mm-hmm. it's if it's fun and easy to use a developer tool, you're going to use it more and yeah. you're going to use it better. Right? Yeah. So you're, gonna so make you're, a you're game. just going to you're going to make a better game. You're going to have better content at the end of the day. So don't yeah don't uh, skimp on user experience, even if only you are the are Thank the user mm-hmm. of the thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from IC Bush, who says. I'm finding myself surrounded by loved ones that are sick, mostly cancer. Seth, how did you maintain the focus to program effectively while Sam was so sick? I think there may be a few of us in this boat right now. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, So this was, this was something that um, Adam and I uh, both were wrestling with um, because Adam joined the studio while Sam was sick. Um, and there were actually uh, quite a few times where, especially when when things were really bad, um, when Sam, when you were going through the, uh, you know, four weeks in the in the hospital for the, mm-hmm. the transplant, and uh, we were, we would just be getting these reports. You know, our our mom was there helping Sam out. He was basically just fucked up beyond belief. So Sam was unable to really like do anything, send text messages or report on anything. I believe I so was we coughing getting... so hard. I was vomiting was what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> couldn't, a... couldn't stand. Uh, <laughs> I mean, cause, cause what the, you know, what they do is they destroy your bone marrow completely, which spoiler alert is important to have. That's one of the many that. things they do, but the, the, uh, the collection of all the things is always poison you really badly so that, with the goal being to just almost kill you, but definitely kill the cancer. That's yep. that's always the yep. the fine line you're walking when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, and so Sam was going through this for for weeks, and uh, Adam and I were on the outside just getting these kind of sprinkling of periodic reports from our mother via text message, like Sam currently vomiting so hard he can't breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like that's a that's a text message we got, and so. And then, it, and then we'd be like, "What?" You know, we respond and be like, "Is that, is that expected? <laughs> is it, uh, what the fuck what is that we, about? Yeah, what do we you do know? with this?" You know, and then, and then a, a while later, it's like, "Oh yeah, no, this, this is what was supposed to happen. Everything's fine." And it's like, just, I mean, it still doesn't seem fine, but it seems, per- <laughs> but okay. Uh, so there was actually a point where Adam and I were were trying to work on some uh, Crashland stuff, and we just fucking couldn't because you know, it's if you're working on, a, especially if you're working on a bigger game that that has a lot of uh, intricacies and a lot of considerations where you have to like really think deeply and long about how to build 
systems and whatever, you need a certain amount of mental overhead to mm-hmm. commit to that. And if you're in the grind, and, then you need a certain amount of mental fortitude to make yourself do it. Yep. Yeah. And there was a point where all this stuff was going on, and Adam and I looked at each other and we were like, we can't fucking do this. Like, we just need to make, we, let's, we need to do something. So we this. ended up just making, <laughs> not this. So we just sat down and we just like, uh, we actually worked on this, on a small puzzle game that we made over the course of a it's few called days. Entropy, wasn't it? Yep. Little, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all it is, is like you kind of, it's kind of 2048-ish, but not really. You play with other people and for some reason. I can't remember. You, yeah. We actually had a turn-based thing where there was like a yeah. versus mode. Um, Cause we were, we were just like, maybe we can do a web thing or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we put that game together uh, and then just kind of threw it away. But like, we just needed something to, that was lightweight and inconsequential to sort of just put our minds into um, that didn't take a lot of thought, you know uh, it's fucking hard. You know, if, if somebody you care about is, is going through that, it's really all you can think about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you have to. Uh, you definitely have to give yourself permission to, because we, we all have this, you know, productivity obsession and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, and you got to give yourself permission in these kinds of scenarios to say, like, I gotta take care of, because you're taking care of yourself, right? The, a person who's sick, like, you can't take care of them, right? Like, in like, really, um, you can be there for them, and like, in some ways, if you are a caretaker, then you are actually taking care of them. But if you're a little bit on the periphery, then mostly what you're doing is like observing it happen, right? Yeah, especially and, with uh, cancer stuff, is basically the worst oh, yeah. for this. Yeah, you know, cancer you, stuff. Well, is, you, it, that's a doctor's yeah. job. Your job is not to take care of that person, right? Yeah, yeah. It becomes yeah, so, a solo endeavor for the patient uh, that has a basically a support squad who's like, I brought casserole, and yeah, that's exactly thing. Right. Um, and is trying to cheer you on, but actually, and, and as a patient, the weirdest thing is 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 the fact that your existence during this time is causing feels like it's causing everybody else a tremendous amount of pain, which is true, which is very right. true, and is one of the hardest things to do. Like, frankly, like I was like, I mean, I could get stabbed all day, like whatever, that's fine, but like seeing other people react to being to me being stabbed mm-hmm. and get all fucked up was somehow even worse than just me being stabbed in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, sort of an insult to injury thing. So, so yeah, one thing you should be doing is trying not to make the person who's sick feel even worse because of how bad you feel about them being sick. Yes. So, uh, try to it, – it, it is partly your job in that scenario to have as much sort of outward, you know, sort of sort of Equanimity. strength mm-hmm. as possible if, even if it's not inward. Um, so certainly don't make things worse is a good, a good approach to take. But, but otherwise, it's, it's acknowledging that, that, that for most people in most, most, most parts of the relationship with the person who's dealing with shit – uh, you the best you can do is be support where you provide things like where possible like maybe that's giving food maybe it's just giving space maybe you know whatever it is right but providing something that the person actually wants is the first thing right mm-hmm. it's not because that, that part of that relationship is not about you that's about the person who's sick that is who it is about so like don't make it about you it's about that person but that doesn't mean you're not dealing with shit so make that about you without bringing that other person into right. it right so so it's about identifying what you need for self-care and just accepting the fact that like things are shitty and that is, it's okay for you to feel like shit as a consequence. And you need to identify the things that, that alleviate that for you. If that's minute, like if you're working a normal nine to five of some sort, right. And if that's like just doing the bare minimum now, because you can Mm -hmm. and you won't get fired. Right. And accepting the fact that like everybody else around you just has to accept that. Right. And if they're pissed off about it, fuck them. Right. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and, <laughs> and spend your evenings like maybe previously you'd be spending your evenings like trying to become a better whatever it is your job is or whatever. Right? But now you're just like, I'm going to go to escapism and just play video games and read lots of books mm-hmm. uh, or spend more time with my family or get a dog or you know, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Right. Like, like find, find the thing. Like I just accept that you need self care and just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think a big part of it actually comes down to a control uh, issue, which yeah. is, which is as the support person uh, watching from the outside, you, you don't, especially in the case of something like cancer, you just don't have, there's just nothing you could do. Uh, or at least it seems like that, I would say on the face. Uh, but I think what was so interesting going through it was watching everybody figure out a thing that they could do. Uh, so actually for Adam, so in Adam's case, I mean, Adam fucking left his PhD program and came to work at the studio. Like that. Yep. I mean, the, the inciting incident was the sickness stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. that was the thing. And so, yeah, basically, I told my, my, uh, what do you even call it? What do you even call it? My advisor team. There's a word for that, but it's been so long. I can't remember. But uh, <laughs> I was like, I need to graduate as fast as possible. How do I do that? And so we made a plan for, I think it was six months after that date. Um, and, uh, yeah, then the moment and, and my, so yeah, my, my life plan completely changed right from being like, I'm going to be a career scientist to, okay, I'm going to graduate as fast as possible. And then I'm going to just be done with that, at least for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. Yeah. And uh, make video games, I guess. But and even before that, though, yeah. uh, Adam and uh, mom and dad all functioned as very intense researchers, actually. So as we were heading into treatment, like, I don't even know where the fuck came from, but everybody had apparently read all the papers. They're all because, of course, yeah. it's a family of medical people and scientists. So, it was, frankly, it was a very nice background to have uh, as far as my crew. But I think importantly, like the thing you get to do, like what what your thing is, can be anything from uh, from assisting with sort of aspects of the treatment process to just assisting with pieces of life. And so, like my my wife, for example, uh, basically learned like this is essentially the time where she learned to cook really really well because her whole thing was like this guy needs to eat good food. Mm-hmm. And he can't taste most things, so like, <laughs> so we gotta we gotta you know we gotta take this up. And then she got super into cooking through that process. And so uh, I think part of it is finding a way that you can busy yourself uh, that is essentially that is essentially assisting the person um, without having to get in their way. Kind of like Adam was saying, um, is seems like a really powerful part. And for Seth, that was programming on, on Crashlands is a, actually a big part of a lot of that stuff too. Um, yeah, it was it was the big thing. Um, yeah, because it was actually the case that th- there was a during that time span, I essentially uh, didn't watch Netflix. I didn't play video games. Mm-hmm. I didn't read books. Uh, I just programmed. I just programmed Crashlands um, because it, that was that was part of my thing that I can control that I that I feel like is directly sort of helping uh helping Sam sort of emotionally get through the thing that he was mm-hmm. dealing with right which is like I I didn't want him to be worried about whether we were going to get this game done right you know no matter no matter what our timeline was no matter what was going to happen with the with the cancer stuff it was like I wanted him to feel like this game is going to this game that I believe in and that I want to like put out into the world is going to make it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, that was my thing, but uh, yeah, it really just does come down to trying to think of anything you can do to, to offer support and, and 
bring some measure of control into what's happening, yeah. you know, into your, into your day to day. And and again, that, that often means, um, making sure you're not making it about you. Right. I think, I think as Sam can attest, like having to deal with an endless stream of like friends and family. Right. Oh yeah. Wanting to like do something and like, and show that they care and all that kind of stuff on the one hand is like, it's like intellectually nice, but in the moment is not emotionally nice, right? Yeah. Because well, or, or that whole like, if there's anything I can do, you just let me know. And it's like, don't put that back on them. Just do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you just bring them some soup, you know, they're not going to be like, actually, could you bring me some soup? I really want some soup, you know, because yeah. they're dealing with their own shit and they don't want to feel like they're burdening you with making you do stuff. Just do, just. Yeah. And one of the, know? we were talking about before, but like the, yeah, the, the projection of sadness onto me was the most annoying thing. Cause I, I may be having a perfectly good day, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, especially because yeah. you're on a lot of drugs. So like, you know, you're on lots of fucking from prednisone. I'm like <laughs> raged out. I'm like kind of happy, a little high basically because of it, you know? And then someone comes up with their whole like sad eyes, and they're like, "How are you doing?" And I'm like, "Just how are, I'm not how here for this are you? Like, have a good yeah. time." Well, then that, yeah, I saw that as a lot of, of like my particular role was just to per, basically not not pretend like it's not happening in a way where I'm like, "This is irrelevant," or whatever, but just like just go on and participate as like as a sibling who was like, "Yeah, this is just a thing that you're dealing with," and I yep. need, and, I'm, and I'm helping out where I can, but otherwise. We're doing other stuff. It's We're providing talking, a, let's just have a good talking. let's have a good yeah, time. Have a providing good time. a sense of normalcy is honestly big. Uh, yeah. And then one of the other things that I believe my my wife ended up taking on a bunch for me was essentially managing all this all the incoming stuff from people. Yeah. So she was like, if if everybody has any questions, like ask me instead. Or like yeah. all of our friends who who were like, you know, friends or like acquaintances and stuff in town who suddenly wanted to like drop by and, and say hello and and we just like Diana just took care of it because yeah. and most like, of talk you, to my agent. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and honestly, like that that was tremendous because again, like yeah, you're already dealing with all this other stuff and having to having to reject people constantly because you don't want to see anybody today uh, is very annoying. <laughs> it takes a lot yep. of mental bandwidth away from the whole you know not dying yeah. process. It is. Do you think it's probably the case too that like especially as an introvert, you know, going through this where where you just want to to like go through your day on your own terms. Be generally left alone, mind your own business, yeah. and have a good time, right? Oh, yeah. And and one of the you know one of the things that happens when you get sick like that is like you said, suddenly everybody just up, appears. Everyone wants to be in your business. They, they, yeah, they feel like they need to express something, you know, um, which is understandable. And, and it's like it's not bad, right? But but you do have to understand that the consequences of well, it, it's it's just like in anything, right? Intent doesn't matter nearly as much as outcome. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it doesn't matter that you're like, oh my God, what if I don't get to see this person again? Right. I need to make sure I see this. It's like, it's not about you. Right. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the, what thing. about what they want? Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's, <laughs> that, it's that two sides. Like both things are true at the same time. Right. That person's sickness is not about you in the sense that they need to deal with it however they need and you should help them however you can. But don't make that part about you. The fact that it impacts you is real and is mm-hmm. about you. That part is. You figure out how to deal with that part yourself and you don't make that there. And, that, and that's the, if you could find that balance and like yep. acknowledge the, like explicitly identify the parts of those two little mountains, right? And do things for yourself, do things for that person. Don't let those concepts mix. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to do a great job. Yep. Yeah. Because again, as, as much as it may be affecting you, that somebody who is very central to your life or who you care about a lot is going through something terrible, it is happening to them first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like 
whatever happens to you is because of a of a far worse thing already happening to them, yeah. right? So, uh, which doesn't make it yeah. any less real. Doesn't make it any less of a, it, of a problem. It really sucks for you, yep. but you're but you're definitely the second party in this in this yeah. scenario. So you find those um, you find those helpful control outlets. I, I honestly, I think so much of it is just about a sense of agency. So if you can find a, a useful thing that you can do. Then do that uh, thing. Just do that thing. And sometimes they're temporary. Sometimes it's like not all of them are long term. Like when I went in my first treatment for uh for my first transplant, Adam made the vibe wall. Oh, oh I forgot that. about that. Yeah. Yeah. It might still be up somewhere. Um, which basically was this thing that people could just go post good vibes on, just in the in the hospital. And like tons of our friends did it. We put up up on Twitter, a bunch of fans did it. I think Rami posted yeah, something. Rami's like, mail posted a thing. Again, a, yeah, a bunch was, of people who there were like five hundred things by the time it kind of yeah. figured out. And like I didn't know that was happening. Adam was just like, hey, I made this vibe wall. And I was like, what? And then it was like, people oh. could send good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, well, the fact is, like, that didn't have to happen in the sense that we could have just like posted on Twitter, like, hey, send Sam some good vibes. Reply to this tweet. But you, you know? need something but, to do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, yeah, Adam needed a thing to to make, a thing to put his time into yeah. to, sh- to show, yep. you know. Um, and only one, there was nobody who was a straight up asshole on that, which was impressive. But there was only one person who kind of ruined it that made me have to add a delete button, <laughs> which is somebody who was like, this, this is my moment to convert Sam to Christianity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are. <laughs> and I can't oh, yeah, definitely you, the depth of the rage that I felt when that comment appeared. On oh, that yeah. thing. Because again, Not but again, that's, that's making it about yourself. Yeah. You know, it's. It's uh, it's you saying, "Oh no, I this is something that I'm going to do," you know, yep. uh, to make myself feel better about what this person is going through. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't send so, people articles dumb. about like uh, crystals and stuff either. I lost, I'm pretty sure, like three or four <laughs> friends who were like, well, "Got along with great," and then they were came out of crazy town for this. They're, They're like, like, "Sam, you, the thing is, you just gotta." Exercise more and yeah, just and then be in like, the sun a little more, and maybe just like, eat some kale. You know, there's all this like metaphysics. Do you think like you've been ha- harboring, you know, a lot of negative thoughts and this meta, you know, metamorphosed into cancer? And I was like, fuck yourself. <laughs> that? I feel like that's a, that's a real kind of like that's a real kind of failure to read the room. You yeah, know? right. Like, I'm like, like I'm no, dying. N- <laughs> but also, but also, like know who you know who you're yeah, talking to. If the person's to. into that, if the person like is into Christianity, if they're into crystals, oh, yeah, sure. if they're into whatever, yeah, jump on, participate, whatever. Jump on board. But if that yeah. person's like I, like in like in Sam's case, I believe like, in science. I believe in science. Yeah, I'm being treated by scientists. I've got this whole thing. I've got a, I've got a team. We're doing all this kind of stuff. Don't fucking come in swinging your nonsense. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> read the room. Read the room. If, if nothing else, just read the dang <laughs> room. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate to support the podcast, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.